to the Wholesome Healing Collective. Join us on our podcast for a journey into the hearts of healers from all walks of life. Diving deep as we explore meaningful conversations that have the power to inspire, empower, and share life-changing wisdom. Through this community, we hope to create a welcoming environment where our listeners leave feeling nurtured and uplifted. We are so delighted you are here. My name is Alyssa. And I'm Renee. Grab a drink, get cozy, and let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Wholesome Healing Collective with Renee and myself. And we are just so excited to be here today. We were talking about the uh, new moon and spring equinox being upon us and all this new energy, transition energy. Um, I loved what you shared about the meaning of spring equinox. Maybe you want to share that again with our viewers. Yeah. Yeah. So the spring equinox is when we have equal parts of day and night. And so it's a perfect opportunity for us to look at our whole selves, our shadow self and our light self, and maybe where we need to bring in balance or where we need to work on one or both of those parts. Yeah. I recognize that coming up a lot. And it was actually a little bit of a relief when you mentioned that, um, it was kind of one of those things that I've heard before, but it didn't really pop up in my mind until you mentioned it. And then all of a sudden it came to me that, oh, I'm going through that right now. That makes <laughs> a lot of sense. And so it's nice to have a little bit of justification for how I'm feeling with those two sides coming up um, and knowing that it's a natural part of the cycle and it's an opportunity. Sometimes when both come up, there's that inner conflict and that natural desire to resist. I don't want to deal with the dark side right now. I don't want that to come up. I want to live in love and light. Um, but it is a beautiful opportunity to look at what we get to work on, integrate, reflect on so that we can be more in the light. Yes. I love that. And shadow work sounds, you know, dark and like deep, but I mean, it's really what we're doing inside of our containers in just a gentle, loving way. We're exposing all of those fears and stories in, in a gentle way. Yeah. I like to think of it as that beautiful, soft little candle that gets lit that shines in the darkness rather than um you know like a mag light that's like searching through the through the dark cracks and crevices but a gentle little candle that just illuminates those parts that we don't always look at mm, I love the softness of that yeah and it's neat too when um, what's coming to mind is the different ways that we naturally connect. Um, I didn't always know that we have a natural tendency to either connect with ourselves more easily or connect when in, uh, a, 
partnership with another or in a container with another or in a group setting. And so it's been neat to recognize where I can reflect on my own, but how powerful it is when I'm with someone else and they're holding that space for me. And I think sometimes we isolate and we want to do that work on our own. And we think, oh, it's my problem. I'm going to reflect on it or I'll figure it out or I'll think my way through it. And we don't want to be vulnerable or maybe we feel like, I know lots of times it's like, oh, I don't know what I would talk about or I don't know what I would work on, but just having someone hold that safe space and creating the container for exploration is powerful in and of itself. And then just trusting that what needs to transpire and surface will transpire and surface is a reminder that I keep coming back to even for myself. So I figured there's probably someone out there that needs to hear that too. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And I always find I have a hard time setting time aside for me to work on myself. If it's just me and myself, but if I have a coaching session with you or breath work with, um, one of the, the people in training, like I know that time Mm -hmm. is for that container and that I'm going to make it, um, I'm going to make it to that. Whereas I'll just keep bumping my calendar, um, time blocks. If it's my personal time, I'll just keep moving them around Mm -hmm. because I don't make it the priority that I need to make it. Um, And in the group settings, I think that when we do open up and share, we can be validated or listening to somebody else's story being like, oh, I'm not the only one. I thought that that was just something I dealt with. And it's so beautiful to hear everybody else's stories and takes. And it's so freeing too. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any um, tips or perhaps your favorite approach to that shadow work or just the becoming aware of both sides being present, the light and the dark and what's alive, especially in this time of spring equinox and this new year energy. I feel like it's kind of a double fold. There's the, the spring equinox and that duality that it brings. And then there's also the moving into the new year in the spring where maybe old identities are dying off from last year and what was integrated and moved and being released and then moving into new identities of spring and what we're calling in and stepping into and evolving. Mm. So much happening in that (laughs) that question. (laughs) So... My tips for me, it's really creating that spaciousness in my nervous system and in between my breaths so that I notice what's happening so that I know, is this me or is, am I just experiencing something? And kind of like we talked about in the last episode or two ago, where you start feeling like you're going down that whirlwind down the drain and just spinning if you don't have that spaciousness. And so that's my biggest piece is like creating that spaciousness so that I can tell what's happening. Because if I can't tell what's happening, then I'm lost in it. And I have no idea if it's light or dark. It's just 
a mess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then just honoring the dark side as it comes up and being curious about where it came from and why it's here and what I can learn from it. Yeah, that's super important. Uh, what you just said about having the spaciousness to essentially zoom out and not be sucked into it. And I think that's a beautiful opportunity to explain that difference between observation versus identification. So often when we do get sucked into either that identity or a limiting belief, or maybe it's a belief you don't really realize is limiting yet, but you're seeing the world through it. You're identifying yourself through it. And maybe it's, maybe it's an identity that isn't necessarily bad, but just zooming out to realize what your identities are, whether it's uh, like one of, one of the identities that I work with that doesn't always serve me is, is feeling shy and introverted and, um, can I add? So the, your identity is I am introverted. I am shy. And so when we take on that, I am statement, you're claiming it and saying that is who you are, but you just kind of said, I feel shy. And so that's that, that I, identification versus observation. I'm feeling shy in this moment. Shyness is upon me, but it's not who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important, not only for awareness to make that identification or that, um, to be aware of that, but then also when we use those words, we often don't realize how powerful they are at reaffirming those beliefs in our subconscious. So when we're constantly saying, I am shy, or I am anxious, or I am this, then our, our unconscious is like, yep, that's us. That's who we are. And we take that on. And then not only do we see the world through it, we start, all of our actions are then stemmed from that. So being able to zoom out, whether it's zooming out up here or zooming out to a different observation point in the body, it can be so powerful to have that awareness and not see the world through those different identities. Mm, I love that. It's so powerful to take that opportunity to create that spaciousness and that awareness. I love that. Yeah. What is your favorite place in the body to come home to, to make those observations or to pull yourself out of those, uh, viewpoints of identifying when you catch yourself in it? Yeah. I love that question because I, until you had just mentioned it a moment before I was like, Oh, I always just felt like I was observing from like my highest self viewpoint but I do spend a lot of time observing from my heart space and checking in. And it's kind of that difference of, am I embodied right now? Or am I maybe above my experience? Mm. What about and you? Where do you feel safe, right? Sometimes oh. I feel safer being out of the body or in that, you know, viewing from your higher self place. Sometimes you might feel safer in the heart. 
Yeah. So that probably depends on your energy in the moment too. And I would say for anyone out there who maybe doesn't have that place established yet, that's a good place to start is finding, you know, whatever grounding practice works for you to unhinge from the mind and get in the body and just ask like, where is my place of safety? And then letting that be your resting place for where you observe from Mm. and know that that can change at any time or all the time. But that place of safety is a good place to start. I love that. Mm. So from that place of safety and observation, when we're, you know, detached from the identities and we are in that kind of all, all seen awareness of our reality, I love working with asking the body questions and tapping into intuition. Mm. I believe that we really have to unhinge from the mind to tap into our inner knowing in the body. And that's where my intuition lives. It might not be for everyone. Um, And it's when we can tap into that intuition and really be connected with the arisings in the body that we can then start asking questions and using what we call visceral intelligence where our body's actually answering instead of our mind. And the yeses and nos are feelings of contraction or expansion versus words of yes or no. Mm-hmm. Do you want to touch that. on that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So visceral intelligence. I'm just tracking everything you said to see if I wanted to add anything onto that. So the sensations in the body, those are the arisings, um, just noticing what's happening in a, in a, a decision you're making or a situation that you're going into. How does the body feel? If you can tell, I was, I was doing breath work yesterday with somebody and she said, I couldn't feel my beating heart when you asked if we can feel it, it wasn't until the very end that I could finally feel it. And I was just kind of blown away at how disconnected some people are. And I probably was the same way at the beginning of my journey. It's not until recently that that's been an anchor for me. Mm-hmm. And then that that's what I try to invite people into. But like hearing her say that was really eye-opening. Yeah, And so you may not even know any of the sensations in your body when you're making a decision. It takes a lot of practice to get down into the body. Um, But just, just starting to notice as you're sitting here right now, how does this conversation feel for you? Are you feeling any, any tightness or tension or anything in the body that is a signal that you should listen or you should investigate. Um, and so it's so fascinating, but so my favorite question to ask the body to kind of tap into that is, do you like spiders? (laughs) Because for me, I absolutely hate spiders, like instantly will make my skin crawl and I get like, it's horrible. So for me, my body is, 
no, that's a definite no. And so that's like your anchor for, and if you don't hate spiders, you might not feel the same way I do. So finding something you feel icky about and asking yourself that question, do you like that? And then feeling that constriction in the body. And then do you, do you like tacos is my expansion question because I love tacos. And so feeling that lightness in my body and my mouth starting to water as I think about tacos, like that's a yes for me. And so asking your body, maybe you don't eat tacos. So maybe it's a different question, but asking your body something that stimulates that yes feeling. So then as you go throughout your day, you can start to listen to the cues of the body is this a yes or is this a no? And if it's a no, then what does that mean? Do you use your words to say no, thank you, or just no? Um, Or, you know, then what? What do you do with the information that the body's giving you? Yeah. The, I forget who says this. I think there's a quote around this, but the body's always talking to us. It's just, we're not accustomed to listening to it because we're so used to being in our mind all the time that it takes our body screaming at us before we actually say, Oh, my arm is like numb. So I better do something about it. Or I'm in this excruciating pain. So I better do something about it. But what about all the other feelings that came before the screaming sirens? And those are the ones that we get to tap into and there's so much wisdom there. Mm-hmm. And when I feel really conflicted about a decision, it's usually because the mind is just going back and forth with all the different yeah, whatever's. And when I tap into the body, there's not as there's not the same conflict. It's either a yes or it's a no. And very, very rarely is it neutral. So I love to tap into the body and get rid of all the noise from the mind and just, is it expansive or is it not? And really use that to move me forward. Yes. And not allowing the mind to then talk you out of what you learned from the body. Not letting it, you know, debate what you should do next. And I would say too, for those that are just starting to dabble in this and maybe don't have the very strong connection with the body yet, just know that like everything, it's a titration and it's a little bit at a time. And you'll have moments where you're in your heart or you're in that safe place in the body. And it's like, I'm here, I did it. And then all of a sudden, because you're realizing that you're awareness goes back into your mind. And then you're like, oh, this is that. And this is that. And all of a sudden these thoughts pop in and you're like, crap, (laughs) I just realized I was there and now I'm gone and that's okay. Just come back and drop back in and quiet the noise again. And the more you practice, the more, the longer you'll be able to stay in that place and explore and ask the questions and extract the wisdom, but it's a practice. So don't get discouraged if you find that you're popping up into the mind or the mind is trying to feed you answers. It takes a while to unhinge and be able to say, okay, mind, thank you. You can be quiet now. Yes. And if you're feeling any, any tightness 
tension or like your stomach's all in knots, but you don't know why taking that time to drop in and just like asking the body what's going on right now. Why do you feel like this? Or looking, looking at your environment and noticing, are you watching something or doing something or participating in something? Maybe the body is telling you this isn't where you should be or what you should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And the stomach's not the only thing, but it's one of the things that I notice the most when I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing is my stomach is in knots. That's beautiful. <laughs> and such powerful tools, the things we don't learn in school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the body has been just an amazing piece. Creating a connection with my body has been so transformational in my journey. And I can't believe it's taken me this long, but I'm so happy to be home. Same. I look back and wonder how did I live my life all in my brain? It sounds miserable now that I look back and wonder how different life. I mean, I remember how life was but you've become so accustomed to the new neural pathways that you've built and ways that you now live in your body that it's hard to look back and it feels like a different life, a different person, a different experience. And it was, but it's all in this lifetime. And it was only a matter of a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it's, like people live in their heads because the body feels so scary because it's when you do, you know, in your early childhood and adolescence and you're feeling your emotions and it's erratic and it's crazy. And then everybody around you is saying, you shouldn't feel that way or you shouldn't act that way. And then all of a sudden you just become hardened and maybe you find mm -hmm. your way up into your head because your emotions are too hard to handle. So you just don't have any anymore. I mean, that, maybe that's just my story. <laughs> Because no, I feel like sense. Yeah. And I think too, it goes in both, in both directions because the what's trapped in the body influences the thoughts in the mind. And then how many people don't want to be with the thoughts in their mind. Right. So they're constantly using outsource outside sources to stimulate and distract from the mind. So you might be in the mind while you're doing a task, but when you're not actively doing a task, how many people can peacefully sit with their thoughts? Not very many. Most will then grab the phone, grab some source of media or a drink or fill in the blank on how you want to distract yourself from your mind. But so many not only have never been in the body, they also don't want to be in their mind. So it's very interesting as you start to baby step into this work, because not only are you starting to become aware of what's in the body, you're starting to actually listen and observe what's in the mind and might not have done that before. It might be used mm -hmm. to just avoiding what's going on in the mind. And then it feels really busy and overwhelming. So titration again. So important titration, little bits at a time. Yeah. 
um, there was something that popped into my head. So our emotions are only around for 90 seconds. And mm -hmm. if we can feel them fully, that's it. They can be released. But most of the time we push them down and we don't want to look at them. We brush them under the rug saying, I'm not sad or I'm not mad. Or we grip onto our emotions for longer than 90 seconds, for longer than it needs to be because we just want to be so mad and we just want to carry that anger around with us and we don't even know why. But if we took the time to sit with our emotions and hold them lightly in our hand and get curious about what message they have, feel them and release them, then you can move on with what it was you were doing. Like you just experienced that and you're like, okay next yeah <laughs> it's like this this is just unfolding of all the things and I think that can make being in the body safer is to know that this emotion will only be around for 90 seconds if I can sit with the uncomfortableness of it yeah it's not going to consume you yeah good note how does this feel good feels complete for me yeah I agree I feel like we covered a lot. So if you have any questions, drop them in the comments below and we would love to answer them. And if you have any topic recommendations, let us know. Well, we hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining us.